Hello and welcome back to Power Sessions with Natasha, where we find our confidence, our power and where we have real conversations. Today we are starting the magical series of Africa's Kings. Who are the kings in our past? Who are these people? We have some of the greatest warriors, some of the greatest men, some of the greatest minds came from our African men and we need to find out who they are, what their history is because that is the key to us knowing ourselves. So today we are going to start with the richest and wealthiest man that ever walked the earth, Mansa Musa. It is estimated that his worth today is around 400 billion in today's currency or more. But before we get into who the man himself was, let us look at the empire that he was coming from. He came from the Mali Empire. The Mali Empire between 1240 and 1645 CE was the largest and richest empire yet seen in West Africa. It was founded by Sundiata Keita. The Mali capital was Niana and the most important trading city was Timbuktu near the river Niger and located where major waterways and land routes met. Immense wealth was gained from Timbuktu acting as a trade hub between the interior and southern coast of West Africa and north of Africa across the Sahara Desert's routes. Salt was a major commodity traded from the north while from the south came gold and ivory. The empire eventually included Ghana, Walata, Tadmeka and the kingdom of Songhai and ultimately stretched all the way to the Atlantic coast. Indigenous rulers adopted Islam from their contact with Arab merchants and the Mali empire would thus play a significant part in the spread of Islam across West Africa. Locals were converted, which created communities that then attracted Muslim clerics from the north, strengthening the region's grip on the religion. Local leaders would even perform pilgrimages to the Islamic holy sites like Mecca, including their greatest ruler ever, Mansa Musa. So, let us look into who Mansa Musa was and Mansa Musa and the empire. Mansa Kanku Musa took power in 1312 CE and inherited an already prosperous Mali kingdom. He would reign until 1337 CE. Mansa was traditional Mali title meaning king and Musa was the grand nephew of the founder Sudiata Kita. Mansa Musa gained the throne after his predecessor Mansa Abubakar II sailed out into the Atlantic with a large fleet of ships and was never seen again. Exploration's loss was Mali's gain and Mansa Musa nominated to rule while Abu Bakr II satisfied his curiosity as to what lay over the horizon would become one of the greatest rulers in the entire history of Africa. With an army numbering around 100,000 men, including an armored cavalry corps of 10,000 horses, and with the talented general Saran Mandiana, Mansa Musa was able to extend and maintain Mali's vast empire, doubling its territory and making it second in size 
only to that of the Mongol Empire at the time. Mali controlled lands up to the Gambia and lower Senegal in the west, in the north. Tribes were subdued along the whole length of the Western Sahara border region. In the east, control spread up to Gao on the Niger River and to the south, the Bure region and what became known as the Gold Coast came under Mali control. The Gold Coast was left semi-independent because gold production had always been much higher when more self-governance was granted there. The Mali Empire would never control such large territories under any of its subsequent rulers. To better govern this vast expanse of land containing a multitude of tribes and ethnic groups, Mansa Musa divided his empire into provinces with each one ruled by a governor, which is called a faba, appointed personally by him. The administration was further improved with greater records kept and sent to the centralized government offices at Niani. The wealth of the state increased thanks to taxes on trade. The Mali controlled copper and gold mines and the imposition of tributes. Tributes are periodic payments. These all came from conquered tribes. Mansa Musa traveled to Egypt. His most iconic trip was his trip to Egypt. Mansa Musa, like many other devout Mali rulers before and after, set off for a pilgrimage to Mecca in 1324 CE. But when he arrived in Cairo in July of that year, he caused an absolute sensation. The Mali ruler's camel caravan had crossed the Sahara and when he arrived in Egypt, even the Sultan was astounded by the wealth this West African king had brought with him. In some accounts, each of 100 camels carried 135 kilos, 300 pounds of gold dust, while 500 slaves each brandished at 2.7 kilos, 6 pounds gold stuff. In addition, there were hundreds of other camels loaded down with food and textiles, horse riders waving the huge red and gold banners of the king and an impressive human entourage of servants and officials that numbered in the tens and thousands. In an extreme gesture of generosity, Mansa Musa would give away so much gold and his entourage spent so much shopping in the markets of the city that the value of gold dinar in Cairo crashed by 20% in relation to the silver. It took 12 years for the flooded gold market to recover from the visit of King Mansa Musa. The merchants of Egypt in particular were delighted with all these tourists suddenly milling about their markets and they took full advantage, raising their prices and relieving their shoppers of their gold at any opportunity. Indeed, Mansa Musa and his people so overspent that they left the city in debt, a factor which contributed to later Egyptian investment with the Mali Empire so that the merchants could recoup some of the value of the goods that they had given on credit. The king of Mali had given 50,000 gold denarius to the sultan of Egypt merely 
as a first meeting gesture. However, the Sultan was rather dishonorable in return and insisted that Mansa Musa kissed the ground in homage. However, in all other respects though, this ruler from Africa's mysterious interior, Mansa Musa, he was treated like the royalty he was, given a palace for his three months day and lauded wherever he went. An indication of the impression Mansa Musa made had been in the news of his Cairo visit eventually reaching Europe. In Spain, a map maker was inspired to create Europe's first detailed map of West Africa that was created in 1375 CE. The, the map, part of the Catalan Atlas, has Mansa Musa seating regally on a throne, wearing an impressive gold crown and holding a golden staff in one hand and somewhat gleefully a huge nugget or orb of gold in the other. It was such tales of gold that will inspire later European explorers to brave disease, warlike tribe and inhospitable terrain to find the fabled riches of Timbuktu, the golden city of the desert that nobody quite knew where to place on the map even in the 18th century. After Cairo, Mansa Musa would travel on to Arabia where he purchased land and houses so that pilgrims from Mali who followed in his footsteps might have a place to stay. The king was inspired by the holy sites he saw there and on his return to Mali, he built a dazzling audience chamber at Niani and mosques at Gao and Timbuktu. These included the great mosque in the latter city, also known as Jimbareba. The buildings were designed by the famous architect Ishak al-Tujin from Andalusian Granada, who had been enticed from Cairo following Mansa Musa's visit there. The enticement and the inducement for him to come back with him included 200 kilos, 444 pounds of gold, slaves and a strip of land along the Niger River. The mosque was completed by 1330 CE and Al-Tujin lived the rest of his life in Mali. A royal palace or Madugu was built in the capital city and Timbuktu along with fortification walls to protect the latter city against raids by the Tureg, the nomads of the southern Sahara. Due to the lack of stone in the region, Mali buildings were typically constructed using beaten earth, what they call banco, reinforced with wood which would often stick out in beams from the exterior surfaces. Mansa Musa was also inspired by the universities he had seen on his pilgrimage. He brought back to Mali both books and scholars. The king greatly encouraged Islamic reading, especially at Timbuktu, which with its mosques, universities and many Quranic schools became not only the holiest city in the Sudan region of West Africa, but also an internationally famous center of culture and religious study. In addition, Mansa Musa sent native religious scholars to Fez in Morocco to learn what they could and then return to Mali as teachers. With these education links, 
There were two diplomatic ones with Arab states, as well as the flow, as investment into Mali, as Egyptian traders and others sought access to the lucrative movements of goods across West Africa. Mansa Musa was succeeded by his son, who had also ruled as a regent while his father had been on his famous pilgrimage, and by his brother Mansa Suleiman. Manga's reign lasted only four years and his palace was taken by his uncle. Some suggest foul play, but there is lacking in evidence. Mansa Suleiman did continue his brother's promotion of Islam and the Mali Empire would prosper for another century or so before the new trade routes were opened up by the Portuguese. The discovery of gold fields and access to the southern coast of West Africa meant that by the mid-15th century, Mali no longer monopolized the trade in the region. Significantly, the Mali Mansas were also guilty of fighting amongst themselves as civil wars wrecked the empire. As a consequence, first the Tureg attacked Mali cities like Timbuktu, and then the Songhai, the powerful Songhai kingdom ruled by the King Sunni Ali, definitely took over most of the Mali territories in 1460 CE. However, what we learn is how great this king was. Mansa Musa was a great leader. He led his people so gallantly, so royally. I urge you yet again to go and learn about this king. He is the richest man, the wealthiest man to ever, ever walk this earth. We come from kings and queens. I urge you to go and learn about this king. Look up your history. Learn your history. It is the only way back to our roots. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you on the next one.